0: Hi, I'm your host, Mayor Robert Simonson, and this is my Meridian City 101 Police Department Edition, Part 2. So there's another group that, with the department that also gets out into the schools, and that's the MADC. You know, this was something that was started by Meridian Mayor Tammy uh, many years ago, and over the years, it has transformed from being something that was independently funded by grants to, to now it's part of the department. Talk to us about MADC and and its role with the community and why it's so important.
1: Well, most, if not of all, all of our societal problems that we as police deal with can be traced back to some sort of substance addiction, whether directly or indirectly through familial relationships or direct drug usage and uh, especially dealing with illicit drugs and trying to make sure that we're keeping the community educated on the dangers of those things. And for me, I am a, a strong, strong anti-drug person. And I worked uh, with the DEA task force for five years, worked undercover. And the one thing that I learned through, through that was almost every crime we dealt with had some nexus to illicit drug use. Um, they were either stealing things to pay for their drug addiction. They were committing acts of violence. Uh, to further their drug uh, addiction or their drug trade. And so I became a strong, strong proponent of MADC and the work that they do. And they work very diligently with the state legislature on educating our legislators, pointing out the dangers of uh, legalization of drugs and other things like that, educating them on things such as the fentanyl uh, crisis that we're dealing with in this country and in this state in particular, they just, they go out and they really, you know, we talk about holding the line, but MADC is a group group, Really, of volunteers and community members that have been affected um, by drug addiction and what drugs, how they have ravaged communities. And they're out there in the front lines explaining to people um, exactly what they've seen and, and, and what they've dealt with and, and providing the science behind it uh, so that we're not just using anecdotal um, words and things like that to really let the community know this is a danger to us. We don't want our kids involved in this. This is why we don't want our kids involved in this. Let's take a stance as a, as a community. And we've gotten, again, great response for that. Kendall Nagy, who is, is the uh, MADC coordinator, just she does a phenomenal job. And, and the coordinators before her as well just do a great job. They, they believe in what they're doing
0: and they, are, they do a lot of research to back up what they're saying. We have so much more that we can talk about. But if you really look at just these few things you've touched on, it's really showcasing why Meridian is different. When we are putting resources into our schools, when we are putting resources into keeping drugs off the street, out of the hands of kids, working with West Seda School District, working with our, our partners in the, far, in the pharmacies and the Haas, the community is working together to address the, the little things. It's like graffiti. We, we hear from the community, we go dress graffiti. We, we we look at these things and we invest time and energy and resources that really keeps our community what it is. It's all about community,
1: and, and I think you hit it on the head. As we discuss these things, it's not programs that make us different. It's the investment in the community from the city. And the community's investment, though, in city leadership and, and certainly in, in the police department that makes us a lot different than a lot of communities that I've traveled to for sure. Uh, and and I think part of the reason is we do look for better ways to do things. Um, you know, when people were screaming about defund the police, we stopped and said, what does that really mean? And to a lot of people and and to our officers, you know, they thought, oh my gosh, people said defund the police. They want to do away with the police department. And I had a good friend, Stephen Gower, who used to always say, you know, we all speak English, but we're not always speaking the same language. And so I encourage our officers, if you hear somebody say defund the police, ask them what they actually mean. Do they mean don't fund a police department? Or do they mean maybe we need to look at dispersing resources differently? Or do they mean the police department needs to do their job a little bit differently. Let's find out what they're asking and then let's have those discussions. One of the things that we've been working really hard with is our crisis intervention team. You know, we understand we're, we're dealing with mental health issues on a daily basis um, as police officers and so we developed our, our crisis intervention team with two specially trained officers, as well as a professionally uh, certified and trained uh, clinician. And that program has done just a phenomenal job for us. And they go out and they handle a lot of these mental health crisis calls. And they're not dressed like your traditional police officer. They don't drive a vehicle like your traditional police officer. And they follow up with that person to make sure that they're getting the resources that they need and to make sure that families know what resources are out there. We're always looking for better ways to deal with non-police issues. Because when somebody calls 911, Whether we like it or not, and I respect the world out of our other first responders, our firemen and our paramedics. But when the 911 calls comes out, if it isn't a strictly medical issue or strictly a fire issue, they're sending the police. They're going to send the police and they're going to send us to those medical issues and the fire issues along with those other two uh, departments. And so we are the ones responding to these mental health issues. issues on on a daily basis. We're the first responders. We train all of our officers in uh, crisis intervention training. We just got our team back from a national uh, conference, and they've come back with even better ideas on the way to train our regular patrol officers in how to deal with mental health issues, how to deal with children in mental health crisis. So we're always trying to make our officers better and trying to give back and serve and invest back into the community.
0: Well, and, and you mentioned calls, calls for service. Calls for service have definitely gone up as we've grown, uh, from that standpoint. How, and your officers are going to a lot more calls than than they used to. Does that mean the crime is going up too? Actually, our crime rate has been going
1: down. Um, we I'll just give you an example of how many calls we respond to. We we responded to sixty two thousand calls in twenty twenty one. That was up probably almost 10,000 calls from the year before. Uh, So the calls are definitely going up. Overall, our crime rate is going down. We do see some upticks in some of the crime rate. Uh, We see a little bit of an uptick in uh, crimes against society, such as drug crimes, um, fraud crimes, those types of things. And those are the things, though, we have taken a focused effort on because those are the things a lot of people look at and want to ignore or tell you, well, that's not that important of a crime You should be focused only on the big crimes. Well, we focus on the little crimes so that we don't have the big crimes. And it's a debate I used to have with a a former officer uh, who came from a larger city who told me once, well, we would never send our officers to that call. And I pointed out to him, why did you leave that place? And he told me how horrible the quality of life uh, was where he came from. And the relationship with the community where he came from, and I pointed out to him, that's because as you ignored these little things, then the things that were now a little more important, you started ignoring those and you started ignoring those. And then pretty soon you didn't respond to anything that dealt with the quality of life of your citizens. And I firmly believe we have to respond to those calls uh, to keep the big things uh, from coming here. Um, It's kind of like coaching a football team. Focus on the little things and the big things, uh, you know, it, you you work better as a team and you're going to be successful. And so that's really our focus as a department.
0: Quality of life probably is such more in code enforcement than most any other place. Talk us about code yeah. enforcement.
1: They have a tough job. You know, most of their calls are, are generated by the public. Um, so neighbors calling and saying, you know, my, my neighbor doesn't water his lawn and his lawn's nothing but weeds and it's three feet deep. Our code enforcement will go and try to work with that homeowner to get them to clean up their property so that it is presentable to the neighbors uh, because we've all probably been there where we look across at your neighbor's uh, junk cars parked in the, the in their yard or in their driveway and you go, man, that's an eyesore. Um, and w- Why aren't they taking care of it? And so our code enforcement really does a good job of problem solving and and working with those people. As a last resort, they can charge a misdemeanor crime for some of those those things. But that is a very long process before we ever get there. Um, But they're all, you know, like I say, the vast majority of their calls are generated by the public you know, people put up signs, just want to stick signs wherever they want to put signs on, whether it's on polls, whether it's in the median. Uh, Our code enforcement will go out there and they'll remove those signs and they'll get them back to the uh, rightful owner uh, if the rightful owner uh, wants to come and collect those. And they can charge them as well uh, because they do have to have a, a license for those signs to be be put out and to be advertising. So they do a lot of those quality of life issues, but they work very, very closely um, with a lot of different faith organizations and things because sometimes we find out that the person that's struggling taking care of their yard is maybe an elderly person that just can't take care of their yard. Um, they don't have the money to pay for somebody to come and mow the lawn, and and so we put the word out to um, some of our different service organizations, and they'll come and they'll help that person uh, clean up the yard. And more often than not, what we'll find out as well is the neighbor didn't bother to go and even introduce themselves and find out why they weren't able to take care of their yard. And that's what we're really missing, I think, that, that bothers me. In, in today's society, and I'll use this as an example, we had a. A call on a, a, a illegally parked car, or it was, and it was parked in front of the neighbor's house. Had been there for a week or so, and our officers responded, and they went to talk to the person who belonged to the car, the neighbor. A neighbor answered the door in a full-on leg cast. Had broken his leg, couldn't move his vehicle after he'd parked it there, and. When the neighbor saw this, uh, the complainant, uh, they were like, oh, he can keep his car in front of my place as long as he wants. All it would have taken was a little knock on the door and say, hey, neighbor, you're parked in front of my house. Could you move your car? And they would have realized the situation that the neighbor was in. But uh, more often than not, people would rather call us and have us have to go deal with that. And that's very, very unfortunate.
0: In a lot of ways, what we're talking about, you guys do a lot of educating the the public when – you are doing traffic enforcement. It's not about just issuing tickets and citations. It's not just about going to someone's house when code enforcement calls, putting a note on the door says fix this problem right now. You're you're it's really almost a mindset. I mean, there are certain things that we do. You know, there's if there's graffiti, we're, we're going to address it. Um, it's really a mindset and an attitude of, of, about trying to get the community to care about the community.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, One of the biggest things that we talk about, the first thing on our three-pronged approach, right, we talk about education, prevention, and enforcement. Education being number one. If we can educate the public on ways to avoid being a victim, if we can educate the public on ways to avoid getting a traffic citation, if we can educate them on uh, ways to interact with their neighbors to make things go a little more smoothly, then that usually takes care of the prevention part of things. And it helps us avoid having to deal with the enforcement part of things. Uh, traffic's a, a prime example. You know, everybody thinks that uh, police departments have quotas and we expect them to write X amount of tickets and that we're going to get all of this windfall of money from citations. And we get hardly any money from citations. And I always tell everybody, you know, we want to try to curb the behavior. And if a warning can curb that behavior, then that's what we need to do. Now, if the warning doesn't curb the behavior, then yes, we'll go to enforcement. And one of the neat things that we have available to us, uh, we developed a, a uh, system called uh, the Incident Tracking System, working with RIT people and our police department. Did a phenomenal job. It's a report writing system, tracking system. We developed our own e-ticketing system. If I give somebody a warning an re e-ticketing system for speeding, The next officer that stops that individual, when they put that person in the system, it pops up and it says, well, they were given a warning for this maybe earlier in the day. Did that person learn their lesson? Apparently they didn't. Guess what? They may get a citation this time. And so we have that ability um, to track those things and to know when to say, no, we're going to issue a citation. Um, now, you know, some of those things that maybe are a little more serious, reckless driving, those types of things, you're getting a citation. You know, the warning's not going to work. We're, we're going to, to have the courts help us curb that behavior. Um, if you're battering somebody, if you're doing a crime of violence, we're not going down that road. You're, go, you're going to go to jail. We're going to make sure that you go to jail, and we're going to investigate it uh, very, very thoroughly. But we also want to educate the public um, in the things that we just do every day. Um, we have some patrol vehicles that are marked a little bit differently than our regular patrol vehicles. Um, one of them is marked blue, uh, has blue markings, and it has a pinwheel design on it to for child uh, abuse awareness. And we have one that has purple markings um, and a purple ribbon and and to bring about, Uh, domestic violence awareness in the community. And we have another one that is green and marked with green with a green ribbon and has the ADA number of one of our former officers um, who took his life um, when he was an officer with the Meridian Police Department. And we have his ADA number on there to generate those discussions and raise awareness about those types of things that really we as a police department can affect, but also as a community that we can affect. And, and that's how we how we choose the causes um, that we, we put on our cars. Um, you'll notice those are all causes that if, if the public sees something occurring or, or or they're a witness to something or they, they think there may be something occurring, they can report that and we can investigate it. Right. Child abuse. um Uh, domestic violence, mental health awareness. Um, We're the first responders to those calls. But we also have uh, Matt Enderlin's ADA number on there because it generates that conversation that, you know what? Again, we are members of the community, uh, just like everybody else. And we deal with the same issues that our community members deal with. We deal with the same issues of raising kids. We deal with the same pressures – whether it's, it's uh, economic pressures or whether it's social pressures that the rest of the community deals with, m- mental health pressures, those types of things, we, we deal with those as well. And we want to be able to have that conversation with the community and and help bring that awareness about and let them know that we understand the issues that you're dealing with and we, and we want to help you. And we want you as a community to feel free, you know, to... To be vulnerable enough to let us know that, hey, I'm I'm struggling a little bit, and I do need some help here, and and this is what I need help with with my my child, and so those are some of the things that, again, comes back to investing into the community that we really want to try to focus on.
0: Well, the other thing that those three vehicles have in common is partners. They're they're all they're all part of a partnership that we have with others that help you all do your job, that is necessary. Yeah, you know, we we talk about you know. The community calling in when, when they see issues, whether the whether they're calling in the overgrown weeds on a on a lot, or graffiti, or suspicious activity, um, you know, that, th- those are things you can go respond to. That we need the community's help, but there's also other things out there that we really rely upon others to provide the, the expertise to us all, and and that could be Ada County. They're a partner. They they they, ha- they provide the gel. Or it could be nonprofits who may maybe help provide reward money that uh, we aren't able to provide, or maybe they do our animal control. Why don't you talk about uh, some of our partners that are out there and, and what they bring to the Meridian Police Department?
1: Yeah, certainly, and there are a lot of, of partners out there. One, um, when we talk about domestic violence and things, certainly we we partner with uh, Faces, the uh, you know our our family justice. Center here in Ada County we work very very closely with them uh, on child abuse as well as um, domestic violence and those types of things and we work with the WCA on dealing with domestic violence and, and those types of partnerships and you mentioned uh, Ada County. We, we work with them and I'll get into them a, in a little bit more detail. But West Ada is a great partner that, that we work with. West Ada is one of those uh, partners with the SROs that, that we have a very, very strong relationship with and that they, they work with us on, um, you know, what do they want out of our SROs? And we educate them on what can our SROs actually do? Um, our SROs, are there to enforce criminal behavior, not to enforce enforce school rules. And so, you know, we had to educate the schools on some of that. You know, we're not going to deal with a child who's being too loud in class. That uh, that's your job as a school district. So we work very closely with them. Uh, we work uh, with the uh, tips program, and and they provide volunteers that um, they they will send a volunteer out. Maybe somebody has had a a family member who's committed suicide or. Um, has maybe just died of natural causes, and we bring a tips volunteer out to sit with them and and uh, just to be with them to walk them through the process and what that looks like. And tip is trauma intervention program, yes. right? Yeah, trauma intervention programs, and they they use our facility for training their volunteers and those things. And so we work very very closely with them as well as with Crime Stoppers, who puts out criminal tips and and gets in, uh, information and in, intel for us and, and sends us that information. And the Idaho Humane Society that you mentioned, they handle, handle our animal control uh, program and, and that, uh, that contract, and they do, a, do a, a very good job, and we're always working with them to improve. Uh, that as well through training and different things. We're currently uh, rewriting our uh, animal control codes uh, with the help of the Idaho Humane Society. Always looking for those partnerships. Uh, One of the newest ones that is coming up when we talk about working with Ada County, we're working with Ada County uh, Juvenile Court Services to uh, work on a grant program to put a Ada County Resource Center in place. And what that resource center looks like is we know that if we can keep kids out of the criminal justice program early on, they're more likely they are to be successful. The minute a a young child or a teenager gets into the criminal justice program, the more likely they are to recidivate and be back in that program. And so working with Ada County Juvenile Court Services, We're trying to develop a resource center that is for those kids that maybe they're just on the cusp of getting into trouble. And what would happen in the past is oftentimes, unfortunately, um, officers didn't have those resources, and they thought the only way to get a child or a family help, and sometimes the way families thought the only way to get any help or resources was to get that child into the juvenile justice system. And we found out that doesn't hold true. So this resource center will provide families with resources. Um, they'll need. They'll be referred by teachers, by SROs. They can be referred by clergy. And it's for somebody who they're not quite at that level where they need to go into the criminal justice program. Uh, or maybe it's a, a, a status offense, smoking. Um, do they really need to be in the system because they were smoking? Or can we get them the resources and the help that they need? because we know this behavior is stemming from something else that's going on in their life. So let's get them the resources that they need from the community to make that family successful, not just the child, because this is about the family. This is a family issue, and the family has to participate in this. And so uh, we we were feeling very confident that we're going to get that grant and that we're going to have several of those resources centers throughout the state, but we're really excited about the resource center we're going to be getting in Ada County. And that's one that we're really excited about as well as, um, you know, some of the other partnerships or the partnerships um, that we have with Ada County, with the Ada County Metro SWAT team. And that's a unit of highly specialized officers that work in SWAT. And that team is comprised of the Garden City Police Department, the Ada County Sheriff's Office, and the Meridian Police Department. And we have seven – or no, we have nine – I believe nine total officers, it is nine, uh, that work in that – Metro SWAT team, including uh, a lieutenant tenant that helps oversee that program. So we work very, very closely with those um, units. And then we're really excited. Uh, We've been approached to um, take our impact team and Garden City is going to send a investigator uh, to work with our impact team. And it looks like uh, Ada County Sheriff's Office is also going to send some investigators over uh, to be part of our impact team and to work those Um, issues, not just in our community, but in their communities as well, and and work more collaboratively as a team um, to deal with those quality of life issues and really focus on um, those things that really cross uh, police jurisdictions. We know that when we're dealing with people who are burglarizing things, who are committing fraud, who are dealing drugs, they're not just doing it in our community. And it doesn't just affect our community. It spreads out to all of the communities surrounding us. So we're really working hard uh, getting that unit up and going and trying to solve those problems.
0: That's a lot. A lot of partnerships.
1: A lot of partnerships.
0: (laughs) And and trying to make the wills all work. You know, the the jurisdictional boundaries that may exist uh, between the different levels of law enforcement, the county boundaries that may exist for when you live in a metro area like this. Uh, I don't envy the process that you got to go through working with everybody at all levels, um, and then of course the, the the groups that help assist you all in the things that you know they're they're more trained to do. It, it's pretty phenomenal in what you guys try to pull off.
1: Well, we are very fortunate in this valley that uh, the cities work well together, and. The department heads uh, work well together in law enforcement, and it didn't just start yesterday. That's been an ongoing process, and we have, we have built those relationships up and, and always trying to make them better um, with the next level of leadership and, and with our line troops and those things, and, and, and we're seeing that payoff certainly pay, pay its dividends to us.
0: Excellent. You touched a little bit on the, the work you're doing with any County with the juveniles. Um, let's talk about, you know, Mirdie's all about the family, which means kids. What does the department do to interact with the youth in our community? We have something new that you just started uh, second time around. It's pretty cool.
1: We did. We, we do a lot of things, but we'll start with the uh, Youth Safety Academy. Um, so that's one of the things that we recently developed, and it's for uh, kids that may be interested in going into policing in the future. And it's a week-long program, and they come and they they spend a week of seeing exactly what police work really is and what it isn't, <laughs> what they don't see on TV. And we have gotten tremendous feedback, not just from the kids, but from their families uh, that have gone through that program. And they do everything from crime scene investigation to Uh, how we do interviews to using the simulation machine for shoot, don't shoot scenarios, how we use de-escalation, defensive tactics, all of those things. And that's one of the the programs that we are super excited about and has done really well. I mentioned our outreach through the uh, program, uh, our SRO programs, and, and our not just SROs, but a lot of our officers who are coaches, uh, throughout uh, throughout this valley and, and throughout this city, as well as uh, a lot of the crime prevention things that we do. We do a uh, trunk or treat uh, with kids. We do uh, shop with the, the sheriff program with the Ada County Sheriff's Office. Again, another partnership between the associations where um, we Take kids for back-to-school shopping or maybe Christmas shopping and those types of things. I'm personally involved in a judo program that we do through the police department um, to help those kids see that, again, that you know police officers are coaches and mentors. That really is kind of the role of a police officer, I think. We always see the uh, the neat stuff of that people see on TV, the arrests and those things. But really, our job is to, to serve the community and, and to mentor uh, and, and be a role model um, for for our community. And and we need to take that seriously. And we need to, to take serving and giving back to the community seriously. And that's one of the things that our uh, Police Employee Association does uh, outside of, of what they do in the job and what they do on their off time, personally, they come together as a group and they give back to the community. They adopt a family at Christmas time. Um, they adopt families around Thanksgiving time. They're that they're always trying to give back to the community, individually and as groups. And while they're at work, it's there's some pretty amazing uh, stories about officers who've gone a little bit above and beyond. Um, when they're at, at their their daily job, whether it's filling somebody's car with a tank of gas that ran out of gas with their own money um, or, you know, going to a, a house for a welfare check on a family and realizing the family's working as hard as they can to make things work, but their cupboards are bare. And we have officers who will go um, after they're off shift and go and buy groceries and go back to that house and stock their cupboards for them. Um, going to a car accident and somebody's car uh, is inoperable, but they have a doctor's appointment and our officers are going, well, we'll give you a ride to the doctor's office. That's what policing is really about, and, and that's what our officers do. And it's really exciting to see them do that. And, and those are some of those ways
0: that they continue that outreach. And they get back in amazing ways. And I just want to touch on one other, um, the uh, Police Activities League. You, know, is that, you mentioned coaches. Yeah. That's where a lot of them will yeah,
1: coach. A lot of them coach through the Meridian Police Athletics League, absolutely. Um, we're part of the member, the board of that and, and work very, very closely with them. We're always looking for better ways that we can be out in that community in that that positive way. Um, you know, and, and that's one of the things, you know, we have a job to do. And we want to make sure that the first time a, a child sees us, it isn't when – Uh, mom and dad have made a mistake and maybe they're going to jail and, and, you know, we want to make sure that they've had those positive interactions prior. And we make sure that our officers um, sit down and and explain to that child, you know, why we're there. And uh, I I often have kids, you know, will bring up to me if I'm talking at a school, especially elementary schools, you know, that maybe mom and dad got in some trouble. And, and I always explain to them, you know, we all make mistakes. Um, Doesn't make us bad people. It just, we made a bad decision, and our officers are very good about explaining that when they go to a home and, and have to deal with mom or dad and, and have to remove them from that house. And so um, we're not perfect, for sure. Um, we make those mistakes, and, and, and we, we, we own those as best that we can, and we try to always improve.
0: It's, it's definitely true um, and amazing work that you all are doing. I want to touch on one other thing that we you, you mentioned, that for the Youth Public Safety Academy what about for, the, for our uh, older listeners who may, maybe wanna get a little taste of, of the partnership that exists between you and FIRE, but some of the things you all experience in, in your training?
1: Yeah, so that is a, a great segue into the Public Safety Training Academy. So ours is very unique in this city in that it is a joint venture between the fire department and the police department. And it is a 10 week long program So five of those weeks are are police. Five of those weeks are uh, fire. And the way it works is you will spend five weeks learning exactly what police officers do. Um, You'll get to meet detectives. You'll get to meet SWAT operators. You'll get to see the equipment they use. You'll get to see exactly what they do. And we do super Saturdays. You'll get to go out and drive the police cars fast and learn how to use a – uh, pursuit intervention technique or a pit technique as it is called and, and get to do all those fun things. You get to do crime scene. You'll get to use the simulator, uh, to figure out shoot, don't shoot, um, scenarios and all of those things. And then you'll transfer over to the fire department and you'll get to, uh, learn how to drive a fire truck. You actually get to drive a fire truck on a super Saturday, go up in the bucket, um, and, and you'll get to hear some good-hearted banter back and forth between the fire department and the police department. But it is a really rewarding uh, uh, academy to go through. We've gotten great, great feedback on that from everyone that has gone through it. And we've had people that go, have gone through it that maybe weren't the biggest uh, police supporter. And then after they see everything that we really do – uh, they come out of it with a different point of view, a, a different view of how things are going and and realize a lot of that white noise that you hear from activists just isn't true here.
0: Uh, agreed. All right. So we're, we're coming up on the end. We're going to go into a little lightning round of maybe some of the questions at least my office receives or we, we hear from the community. on, and, and you can help educate the community as, as we have a community of people that are moving here and under, want to make sure they understand – um, the, the laws and codes within Meridian. So from that standpoint, can dogs be off-leash in Meridian?
1: No. Only in an off-leash park if it's designated.
0: Excellent. Red lights. When is it okay for someone to move through an, a mm-hmm. yellow or red light in the state of Idaho?
1: So we have what's called a permissive red light law, which means if you have entered the intersection— Prior to the light turning red, you are okay to continue on through the intersection, whether it's a turning action or whether it's uh, going straight through. If that light is yellow when you entered the intersection, you are permitted to complete your way all the way through the intersection.
0: Do we have red light cameras in the state of Idaho?
1: We do not. It is not allowed by the state legislature. We are not allowed to utilize red light cameras.
0: Okay. And maybe the, the most important thing for those that have stuck through this uh, entire amazing conversation when should people call 911 or when should they call the non emergency number for the city? Really, when we look at
1: 911, I think uh, you, it has to be a health emergency or an absolute public safety emergency. Um, and, and I say that in that somebody's uh, well being is at imminent risk. Um, somebody's being beaten up, somebody's being attacked, um, something that is really a uh, life safety issue. Uh, when it comes to health issues, the same thing. Uh, your neighbor watering your lawn is not a reason to uh, call 911. <laughs> your, your neighbor playing loud music isn't a 911 call. That's a non-emergency call. Um, those things that don't demand immediate assistance. A car accident—that's a nine-one-one call. Um, A—you bumped into uh, somebody's bumper in the parking lot. Not a nine-one-one call.
0: Actually, not even a reportable crime. Interesting. Well, ho- hopefully they can take that information to heart and apply it. And uh, because uh, you know the people that take those nine-one-one calls at dispatch—they got a tough job, and they're getting a lot of calls. And they're trying to adequately deploy, help deploy resources where they're needed the most at that exact moment.
1: 911 operators are uh, some of the most unsung heroes for sure. And that that is one thing I would like to plug that our department does as well through our our, uh, critical incident stress management team um, after something serious, whether it's uh, we've gone on a a death of a child or um, something, you know, uh, officers involved in a shooting, um, child abuse, something like that. We, we set up, our team sets up a, a what's called a critical incident stress debrief where officers, normally it was just officers would go in and they would get to express their feelings and what was bothering them. But what our team has done, which I think is really uh, neat and needed long before now, is they have started inviting the uh, 911 operators or the dispatchers that have taken those calls because we didn't realize how these types of calls are affecting them and without them getting closure with what has occurred. And uh, they've started inviting our, our records personnel because they're the ones who are reading those reports, seeing those pictures, and they're experiencing that secondhand trauma. And so... Kudos to our, our SISM team because they've really gone above and beyond on, on bringing people in that were otherwise um, not having those
0: opportunities to get that, that resource and get the help that they need. Thank you for sharing that, Chief. Um, it, it's a tough job all the way around, no matter where you are in the department. The, um, I was at the retirement of an officer recently, and uh, she, she worked in the front office. Yep. You know, she's she, doing the administrative work. And the the things that I know that she had to experience, um, she didn't go through the same type of training the officers mm-hmm. did, um, and she doesn't go out in the field and get a practice all that time. But when people walk through the doors, they need somebody, and you're you you're there, you're helping yeah. address that immediate situation. And it, it's it's people don't realize that you know yep. it can hit anybody within department. It, it can hit any of us in our real life, mm-hmm. driving down the road, and you come across something. But these are things that you know, people in the police department experience day in and day out.
1: Yeah, our professional staff, are they're, they're phenomenal. They they really are, and, and they deal with a lot that we oftentimes had forgotten about, and uh, luckily our, our team has stepped up for them.
0: If people from the community want, want, want to help out your team, what can they do? What should they do?
1: Well, I'll tell you the biggest one is a thank you. Uh, you can't believe how far that goes is just a— Pat on the back and say, thank you. We appreciate what you do. We, we know you have a tough job. I will say we we work in such a phenomenal community that um, I, I hear stories so often and I've experienced them uh, where I'm in uniform and somebody has paid for my cup of coffee or um, they've paid for my my lunch. And you just don't see that other places. And we hear that from officers that come from other other. Um, law enforcement agencies and I remind them that's, there's a reason behind that and you cherish that and you take care of that because the way we serve the community is why those things happen and, but I'll tell you, you don't have to spend a dime. A thank you goes a long, long way. Officers laugh sometimes. They say, man, I get people wave at me here and they use all their fingers and they appreciate that and, and it's funny. We laugh about that here because it's so common but it's true. I've been places where they don't treat you that way. And, and just the mere fact that you that's your profession, you're treated differently. Um, and I've experienced it where, you know, people find out you're a police officer and all of a sudden um, this real nice conversation you're having with them changes pretty quickly because of what they've experienced elsewhere. And that's one of the things we explain to our officers. Don't bring your experiences from where you came from here that are negative. Same thing with the public. Um, don't bring those negative experiences here. We, do, we don't police that way here. Let us prove it to you. And, and I know you've been present when we've had some of those conversations with um, some friends of ours from the NAACP about how they were like, wow, you guys do it right here. You're really so friendly. And um, it's different than where I came from. I wish it was that way everywhere. Everyone was treated the way they should be treated. Um, but we'll, we'll take that, that torch and we'll carry it on.
0: I really have no words because it's so true from that standpoint, and I, I think that you just really hit the nail on the head. You know, to the community that's listening is, you know, the the support that they can provide in a lot of ways is leaving their attitude mm. that they may have grown up with uh, all their lives, and that can be difficult and tough. But you know, I think that goes back to the bigger issues we're seeing in the state. You know, it's not all about law enforcement, all these issues that we're seeing, um, but you know. Idaho is the way it is for a reason. And the more we can get people to leave some of their prevailing things that they may have grown up with, they experienced in their house, they experienced in their community, leave that there and come see what we have to offer and understand that we are different. We, we do things different. And it's these type of things right here that make all the difference in the world.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, a reminder for my officers, it's something I always tell my my 18 year old son as well as we can't live in a, either this or that world. You have to be open to other people's ideas of views. you don't have to agree with them. you don't have to agree with them. but f- especially for our officers, I remind them remember when you're on a traffic stop, your perception isn't the same as that other person's perception. Their perception has been molded based upon their life experiences. Yours is molded on yours and sometimes we have to realize that when somebody's automatically defensive towards us, Sometimes we need to not be so defensive and just stop and ask them, why do you think that? And have the conversation, learn. Uh, The more, more curious we are, the more we learn, I think the better off we're going to be.
0: Chief, we could go on for hours, you and I, I, and I know we've, we've talked about these things in my office, um, several different times in different ways and out into the community. And um, I just want to say thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for first for sharing today about the the Meridian Police Department with the community. You know, this is is a 101, but I think they got a, a, a much deeper perspective on not just the nuts and bolts of the department, but philosophies and, and a, a lot of a lot of that from your experiences and how you bring that in into the department and what that means. So thank you for giving me a lot of time give us over that overview of the department and for, and for what you do. And I want to say thank you to the Meridian Library for the use of Unbound Recording Studio here in downtown Meridian. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in. I'll catch you next time on My Meridian.